Hey guys, what's good? It's me, the Funk Lord, and welcome to another episode of the Damn Good Podcast. My guest today is Petlock, and he's probably one of my top five producers right now and has been for the last one or two years. He has been an influence not only to me, but to a whole generation of producers because he has a very unique approach to composition, sound design, and the overall sound that he creates while staying very, very fresh. And he's probably been an influence not only to myself, but to a whole generation of new school producers um, over the last couple of years, even though he might disagree. So I met him here in Berlin two months ago. We connected online, then we met up and grabbed some food, hung out together, grabbed some drinks as well, talk about music and we figured out we had lots of similarities in the overall approach, but also in how we view the music business as a whole. So it was interesting to me to bring him onto the podcast and pick his brain on how he sees things um, from the inside, because he is touring, he has been um, releasing songs constantly over the last couple of years. He is in the ring. He's not someone who's outside and like, you know, watching someone play the game. He is playing the game constantly. At the same time, he's super humble, super down to earth, and he's struggling with the same problems we have. And if someone like me sees someone else who who's like an inspiration for me in a sense, and he's dealing with the same problems, that's making me humble at the same time. I'm like, who the fuck am I to like, you know, have this big ego around imposter syndrome or whatever if that guy's feeling it. Same thing happened actually when I talked to Kashmir um, and like other quote unquote top guys in the industry and they deal with the same problems that we have. And if you talk to someone like that and then see they have the same problems, it's like, wow, like we're all in the same boat. All of us got the same problems. So why the fuck even bother? So that was very, very sobering while talking to him. And we also talked about Splice. We talked about his background in music, how he manages to stay unique and more or less niche-based while being successful and touring and all of that jazz. So podcast has been very, very good. And I'm pretty sure you guys are gonna love it. So I'm not gonna drag it out for too long. Please welcome Petlock. You're listening to The Damn Good Podcast with Edward Quart, the go-to resource to help you navigate the murky waters of the new music business. How are you feeling, my man? Good, man. Uh, back in sunny LA. Um, actually, we had some hail yesterday, which was crazy. Uh, and even rain, which is like the second time all year. But uh, yeah, it's nice to be back. Nice to see you, man. How's Berlin? Uh, still the same. Still rainy. Still cold. Sleazy. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's... Are you, are you comfortable with doing interviews at all? Like, how often do you do those in person? Like, when someone sits down and asks you stuff? Uh, I've done them before. I've done some stuff in like Miami, um, like like Miami Music Week, and like um, uh, some stuff at shows, like on tours and stuff like that. I mean, not a ton of live stuff. I've done a little bit, but uh, I've definitely done some like longer podcasts. So yeah, um, it's chill. Cool. Well, thanks a lot for dropping by. I appreciate it. No worries. I mean, usually I don't have to set up my own recording, which is why it was such a cluster today. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thanks for your patience. But I mean, like, if, if we would sit down right here at my place, that would be a whole different thing. Oh, that's like, chill, I yeah. You, I would give you a microphone, I would give you tea, I would give you whatever the fuck that's you want. That's easy, yeah, yeah. Just to make it more comfortable, but like... I didn't have time for tea. I was like, give me, where's that mic at? <laughs> <laughs> that was stressing. Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me. How was, how was your tour? You just came back from, you know, you've been here in Berlin. We hung out a little. Then you've been to Amsterdam, which I missed. Yeah, yeah. I did I did my first ADE. I uh, did a show at Melkweg there. Um, that was cool. Uh, I guess I've been l lucky to do Amsterdam a couple years in a row. Last year, I ended up uh, doing Paradiso uh, last spring. So, yeah, Amsterdam's a vibe, man. And then I... Um, it's like less, it's been less of a tour and more just like kind of a lot of like one-off 
date. Um, I was in New York doing this show with The Magician. I did a B2B with Hood Boy in Brooklyn and that went really well. Nice. Um, and I did some writing in New York, did some writing in Berlin. So I guess uh, it's, yeah, the, the show, uh, the shows on the road are always just a great uh, opportunity for to meet and write with you know other artists um a lot of great top liners out there so actually i think a couple of the songs i wrote while i was in berlin are going to be on the next ep so pretty excited about that sweet yeah look forward to that and you dropped your sample pack just yesterday yeah i just dropped it dropped it with with splice my first sample pack a heartbeats volume one uh it's got a lot of different like melodies chord progressions which is sort of yeah. uh, something i really like and then you know drums effects and your, your standard stuff but i think um that was really fun to put together it took me a long time but i think uh for people who make house or hip-hop or or, or anything and even trap you there's, there's a lot of it's really interesting yeah, the drums are awesome thank you i got the whole pack i got the whole pack i checked out the drums they're like on point oh sick thank you so on much point. man that was the part that stressed me out because i never know how how much to push the drums sometimes, but it was a lot of. Have how you, much time does you spend on a whole on the whole process? Too much time. Um, well, not not too much time, but like more than you would think. I did the whole thing like one one time around, and I thought it was like kind of good to go. And then I went back and was look like going through it, and I was like, oh, like you know, is this really at the level, uh, or are these the things that I want, you know, to represent? I mean, my you know the first sample pack that I put out, and so I started I started over. And um, like I hooked up the the Juno one hundred six and played a bunch of stuff through that, and uh, which processing things differently and and just uh, I guess approached the loops uh, or the loops and one shots in a more uh, more creatively than just you know you know I think um, you have to get in that in that mindset because it's very different from how I write music. Uh, some people like to write a lot of loops and then use them, you know, or obviously pull pull from loops, but um, this was just, I think, me trying to, to, my approach the second time around was more creating like, like an atmosphere or a vibe or an, an, an emotion or something or a texture, things that might be more useful to uh, uh, producers of any experience. Right. What was the vibe you were going for besides your signature unique sound? Yeah, I was uh, sort of just going for... Um, things that were like um like interesting and and kind of like deep and 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 textured so i did a lot of foley recording um or more i'm i don't know about a lot but for me because i almost never do that so i used like a bunch of kitchen utensils and um i uh, recorded my vacuum cleaner uh and like turned them into different effects and things like that and i've done a little bit of that in my music and used you know not a lot, but kind of like maybe, you know, three or four sounds at most within like a percussion set just to give um, the palette a bit more. Another, another, another layer of something interesting that doesn't sound like, you know, just a straight 707 or 909 kit or, or what have you. Stuff that is, you know, the classics are, are there for a reason, but it's nice to like, you know, change it up just a little bit. And so I decided to follow that a little bit more than I'd ever typically do. And because I mean, someone's probably not going to sit there and like maybe use all the effects or all the drums in, on on one track, but I mean, you have a few to choose from, and you know, kind of mix and match. And I've you know, I've been using actually since I wrote the pack, I've been using that stuff way more um, in my own stuff because I'm like, oh, like as opposed to just your standard riser or white noise thing, I could you know use something that um, you know I may I sometimes I don't I don't even remember like how much processing and like I went took like one little click of like a bottle opening or something like that um or like two spatulas like knocking together or some keys and uh turning into a more uh textured uh effect you know with some depth right so much how much time did you spend in total on the, on the whole creation <laughs> thing oh man <laughs> um i would say so the, just people know how much yeah. work goes into creating something like that the second time around uh the first time i'd been working on it for you know uh, in pieces over probably the last year just like bits here i'd like do a thing and pull it out and like and put it and stash it and the second time i was like okay hey, well now i want to do i, I want to do this all in one shot and uh so then i probably spent a, a, about a week 
thinking about it in terms of like what was I going for what were like you know how many drums and how many types of chords and you know how do you knock all all those things and then probably another week and some change like recording it and then when I was cleaning it up and putting it all together I was like well once again, I was like, I like this or I don't have enough of that. So then again, I was like still weeding. This is kind of like a two and a half, three times process. And then at the end, you have to go back again and then clean it all up, um, you know, get normalize it and make sure like the zero crossings or, you know, so that the, the splice keeps their quality, their standards really high. Right. So you have to make when I first sent it in, they're like, oh, you got some clicks and pops. I was like. Right. So I had to bring it, download the whole thing again and like clean it up all again. So I probably spent, you know, it's uh, about as many hours as I would, maybe a little bit more than a remix, but less than an original because originals, you know, are like the bane of our existence. They just like you sit and sit and sit with them. But um, easily, easily 50, 50, 70 hours. I mean, if you had to count like the earlier. Jesus. Yeah. But uh, right. but I think that now I understand the pro. Oh, and then that doesn't. So that would almost sort of include writing the demos, which was the fun part at the end, fun and stressful because I was like, <laughs> I'm limited to everything that I use within this pack. Right. And then you know, what do you want to do with that? Do you want to write one demo at like you know one thirty and then do like a house thing and then go halftime, or do you want to? I was like, I was writing at all these different speeds, just doing whatever. So I wanted to reflect that within this demo. Um, and then you're just pulling these loops in and uh, some of them are in key and some of them are not. So you're trying to figure out how to put it all together. And that was that was fun. And I think I would sort of recommend that as an exercise, I think, for anyone, if you feel like if you feel blocked, I'll probably do it again at some point, you know, just get ready for number two and start recording because then you have like a whole library to work from. And I don't know how you typically write, but a, a, a lot of people, you know, you start with like, a top line idea or some chords or something. Same. But when you're just kind of like all of a sudden you've got three or four things going on, then it, uh, the track might take you in a different direction. I feel right. That, that's how I write as, as well. I usually limit myself e even for all of the samples that I have. And I have quite a bit of sample packs mm -hmm. and, and instruments. I try to limit myself to like five to six different, uh, instruments, just a couple selected, patches and samples that I reuse all over again. And that kind of makes the signature sound and kind of right. you limit yourself to this whole, to this small batch of, of instruments. And then you're more creatively in a songwriting and chord building sense. Totally. Yeah, I think that because I often will start with the same instruments to write, I mean, I literally just open up Ableton Rhodes 99% of the time and start there with the chords and get a quick drum drum thing going. So pulling from uh, the pack from the sounds that I made was, you know, took me in a different direction because now, okay, you're dealing with audio rather than MIDI. And I'm going, okay, well, how can I work with this? And do I just want to resample it and throw it in simpler and take one or two of the chords and chop that? And, that, and that's the fun part because you're just like, you know, you're editing your own process and, um, you know, not to do it, not that you have to do it every time out, but I think that can give you a, a boost and take you in a direction that you wouldn't normally end up. Right. So lots of people ask me about how to get on Splice because they're planning to release something on Splice. How did you connect initially? Um, did you have to know someone on the inside? No, um, they just reached out and they'd asked me earlier on in the year. So actually this was pretty overdue. Right, so they ask you. Yeah, yeah, in this case, yeah. I mean, I think, um, I, I wouldn't know. I know that they're doing a lot of sample packs right now and a lot of uh, artists that I know are, have also, you know, done done some recently or, or are about to release them, uh, release their first packs with Splice. So I would say that they're probably expanding pretty aggressively right now in terms of the artist portfolio, which is really exciting to see. Yeah, they're kind of becoming like a music label, but for samples. Totally. It's really, it's really exciting uh, to see what they're building there. I've actually got uh, something else that I did. I was just in their headquarters in new york or in their office there i don't know if it's the actual headquarters i know they have an office here in la as well right and uh i filmed something where i did a flip um and so that'll be dropping um on their youtube channel probably later this month or if not yeah before the holidays so right keep your eyes peeled for that <laughs> for sure <laughs> we will where do you think they expand like what's the direction they're taking right now in general 
how do you see it? Do you mean as like a splice, splice as a whole, as a platform? What's their plan besides, like, of course, dominating? Besides dominating, you know. So you notice that they have this like really clearly impressive user base. I saw something in their in their daily pack, and it said something about how many times the sound had been used in there, and it was in the in the fifty eight thousand or something. I don't even know like what what kind of numbers they're they're dealing with, but. I know that on the sample side, the artists, like the payouts are pretty good um, from some of the success stories that I've heard from friends. And uh, so that's that's one side where they're going as a business. I'm not sure. They could probably start releasing music for sure. Um, I, I feel like uh, that depends on if it fits, you know, like their their business model, because like running a label is not easy or a guaranteed way to make money. So it depends on, you know what I mean? Like right now they're really enabling a lot, but uh, yeah, I'm curious now, now, now I'm really wondering like, what would they do if they, if they launched a record label, you know, because once you do that, then there's that whole other side and there's like, you have the events and touring side and yeah. So the, for the future of Splice, I, uh, I'm really curious to see where they're going to end up because, you know, they've grown from, you know, essentially like this cloud business of backing up and, um, helping collabs, people collab remotely with sessions and then, you know, samples and then now making VSTs available like rent to own, which was a brilliant move so that you cut down on piracy. And then for new producers, they can afford, you know, whether, whatever it's like eight bucks a month, you know, rent to own serum and all these different, um, tools. And so I think they're really dominating. Um, I'd be really curious to see their growth. Uh, you mentioned the music label side. I hadn't thought about that before. They're probably well positioned if they want to. I have, I mean, from what I can see, music labels are not easy to run. Uh, There's a whole other side and component. So I think it's like, would that fit their growth model? Like from there, then you're getting into potentially more events and tours and stuff like that. And do they want to, you know, is that something that, would help them grow or would it dilute their focus on on whatever they're doing? So I think that's uh, a really interesting question. Uh, where do you think they're they're going to head next? Well, I feel like with the whole positioning that they have and the reach that they have, they could be a, a major player on the level, maybe not on the level um, of, let's say, Apple Music or Spotify, like somewhere in that range, very boutique, Doing events, I mean, festivals are not the thing anymore, but like smaller events that um, are more like higher up class, very boutique and music label, of course, music label, because they, they kind of are like a music label for samples right now. Splice sounds, it's their own thing. They're making the money right there. Right. Um, maybe they'll buy someone off. Like right. Spotify bought Soundbetter recently. I mean, you think they want to become a DSP? Like I, that seems like a, a big jump. Um, maybe, maybe, but I feel like them they'll be more more artist centric. They're gonna focus more around the artists, right? And content around the artists. Yeah, I would I would tend to agree with that. And events. Yeah, I I think that right now they're so supportive of everything that artists do, and even if you look at their blog, it's all about tips. Yeah, platform. On, yeah, yeah. It's not just about. I mean, you know, they're helping you out with you know, recording and mixing advice and writing ideas and like how to, how to pitch your stuff. And so, um, no matter what you make, um, they're making it easy for you to depend on them as a resource. And so I think they'll kind of, yeah, they're sort of probably growing the community that way. It's interesting to see the content that they're rolling out a lot of, uh, game and TV and and movie theme stuff. So it's not just this, well, I mean, it, it, it's all intertwined now, but it's not like rooted just in like electronic stuff. I mean, so many people use them for film and TV composition as well. But uh, oh yeah. yeah, it's 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 really exciting. It's an exciting time um, for them for to be sure. So I'm yeah, I'm, I'm really happy about um, being able to be involved with them at all. So one hundred percent good times, and I feel like the critique they're getting for like ruining the the music production industry for making it too too easy for people i feel that's way unwarranted at all like if you're creative you're gonna do good stuff if you're uncreative you're just gonna you know take loops and 
just do that. Just yeah, build you know, loops, which is okay as well. I mean, just whatever. I sometimes take loops and just build a whole song out of them, just because I feel like it. Why not? Right. Yeah, I think it it, it really depends on what. Um, I mean, the people that are mad about you know the essentially the barriers getting removed are probably you know it's the same sort of idea that you needed to have a studio back in the 80s 90s and you needed to have tens of thousands of dollars of equipment to make music and so the democratization of these tools and technology which hey happened with the invention of the internet um has enabled right so many people to have access now and it flattens out and so the the learning curve is quicker but it doesn't mean that we're going to be um we're still not going to have the incredible producers like you know your flumes or sophies and what people that are continuing to push so i mean i'm i don't i feel like you can worry about that but that doesn't affect my day-to-day at all uh so i don't spend much time thinking about it i just make i just want to make the music that i want to make and get better at that and push and you know so so yeah it's awesome there's all yeah there's always gonna be haters fuck them i would say (laughs) why why do you make the music that you make would be my next question man uh might be a little bit philosophical and a little bit broad but why do you make the music that you make which is not mainstream which is not like you know your top 40 stuff which is not your trap stuff why do you make the music that you make and the, the reason being is i'm a huge fan of your music and lots of people who are huge fans of your music, but it, it's still more niche based um, and so unique, Thanks. which is awesome at the same time, you know, and being different is the way to do it in 2019 and 20. But just historically, how did you start out making music and why did you come to, to the genre that you make right now or just to the sound? Well, uh, I mean, those are, that's a couple questions there, but you're, to, to answer your first question uh, off the top, why do I make the music that I make? I mean, I don't think I really have any choice. I mean, I do have a choice. I could I could make a choice today to start just making, you know, really hard industrial techno. <laughs> if if I if I were so inclined, uh but I mean I don't really have it doesn't mean that I don't like other genres of music, but um it's I think the origin would be that I started DJing when I was in university and really got into the digging culture like going to the record shops and digging online for forever and always trying to find, you know, interesting B-sides and find like more interesting music. And um, I was playing uh, in Vancouver at a time before like kind of house music and electronic music had had gone mainstream. I never thought it was going to. And I was listening to the Essential Mix on BBC like every Saturday night. You know, Pete Tong would have these different guests and they would come and play and it'd be like... I don't know, all these different legends of all genres. And so that really opened my mind um, and my tastes. And so I think all of that has affected me over the years, you know, towards, you said that the music I'm making is not top 40, which is, you know, obviously the case, but that's because I never listened. I was never into top 40 in in that sense or, or like straight pop music. I mean, I don't think it's that niche either because um, like it's, yeah, it's not, there's so many different uh, shades, you know, like it's never, no one was ever going to mix me up with like Burial, you know. Um, right. So, uh, yeah, I would say it's like just a little, a little off center. Yeah, with the term niche, I was saying that that it's more specific than your usual, you know, Post Malone joint or like your Trap joint. Oh, yeah. But I mean, I mean, probably a lot of that is that stuff is created for a reason. The reason it's the whole point that people are writing that is to try to break radio. And I started from a place where I was just trying to write tracks for my own DJ sets and for other people's DJ sets. And then I started doing more collabs with songwriters and learning about the world of songwriting. And that started to hit um, something, you know, a, a, a sweet spot for me creatively where I was really enjoying that or I have been really enjoying that. And so I was like, how can I do kind of a little bit of both? You know, how can we write verses and choruses and bridges and still have kind of like a dancey track that I would want to play out? And so I think a combination of the taste like, that I developed while DJing, you know, searching, because I would play at these sort of, when I first started at these kind of open uh, format nights and, you know, just start with some hip hop and then you get into, you know, whatever clubbier stuff later on. And so 
I would be looking up like, you know, how come some of these samples, you know, sound the same. And then it, you know, looking like, you know, nineties hip hop and there were all these jazz stuff and they were, you know, sampling like, you know, Herbie Hancock or, um, Cal Shader or whoever. And, uh, and then you went and looked at like, the house records that were doing really big in the UK and like they had, they shared a lot of the same influences. And so I just went back and started realizing, um, more about the origins and history of a lot of this music that was, uh, really resonating with me, you know, from like eighties boogie and disco and how some of it, you know, had influ influences into the nineties, even with the advent of hip hop. And so I would say that it's really like going back to the question of why do I make the music that I make? It's because I've been surrounded with this mentality just for so long now, uh, where I can still go on big YouTube you know, all the way down the rabbit hole on YouTube or SoundCloud because there's so much exciting stuff and different stuff out there. And so I kind of never really got caught up in like, what is the newest thing? Because for whatever reason, it just didn't catch me as much, um, not, you know, for better, or for worse. And then combining that with, um, I guess, my own evolution as a producer and songwriter and a musician. So uh, I make the music that I make because it seems like the only path for me. I mean, I also make, a, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm trying to push on both sides uh, where I've made like more like hip hop tracks and, um, you know, or I'll make like harder, harder tracks like they, that are like, you know, closer to like 130 and like, you know, really like kind of party stuff. Right. And, and I'm also trying to push and see where it goes. And I don't obviously like put all of that out. But it's kind of figuring out. It's like a pretty natural and organic path, I would say, as opposed to uh, I wish, you know, like some producers can just, you know, stop and start a new side project and go, OK, well, now right. I'm, I'm going from from Jungle to like Disco House, you know, which is some like Treasure Fingers did that. Treasure, uh, he was part of Evil All Intent and like, uh, you know, big into drum and bass and then he started treasure fingers as a joke yeah side Med, project. medzo as well you know medzo yeah yeah of course i didn't know that he was a drum and bass guy yeah yeah he was into drum and bass djing london fabric yeah um pure drum and bass went into you know disco-ish stuff as well there you go i mean uh so the music stays i think regardless and so you can i think you just follow that's like the exciting you know the path that becomes your life if you're lucky enough but it, i mean it's you know it's similar uh, even even if it's uh, even if you're not doing it professionally, I think you know the type of music that you'll make and you want to make will mirror sort of the unexpected paths. Uh, you know that if you're open to them, can shape your life. So, I hope that answers your question. That's a great answer, my man. I'm 100 satisfied. But like you know, there will be people who will come to you and say like, "Hey, but what about the hype? Like, how how do I get hype initially? Like, do I need to do?" this thing to get hype or whatever what would you say then i mean hype is just is just a word that you know that it's people are chasing that it like like clout i would i think right. that i what i wanted to do when i started was just make something decent because you know when you start everyone starts it's all trash you make trash 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 and you're like why is it trash <laughs> and the thing that you know it's that famous ira glass i think it's ira glass talk uh speech about being an artist is like the thing you but you're you're the frustration the friction is because you know it's trash because you have taste because you know you you're an artist or you're curator you're you know dj or whatever so you know that what you're making is is not good and so you're 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 really frustrated which is some people never get past that frustration and you have to obviously make all the trash before it becomes slightly less trash then you know one day you're like wow this is like great but actually it's just average but average to you is great because you've been making trash for so long so i think um my whole path was i really wanted to make something decent or something or something good and it took me so long that um i was always comparing myself to or or my work to um to good work, <laughs> to you know, good good music, to good good productions. Uh, there right. was when I when I was in Vancouver, I was uh, a resident at a at a club called Shine, which isn't around anymore. Uh, but another resident at the night that I was at, uh, it was one of the first places that was playing sort of like new disco or whatever, like like chromeo, eight track type stuff, like 
in in that era, like around 2009, 2010. Um, right, the Blockhouse. Yeah, the Blockhouse years. One of the other DJs there, he was the resident of that club for for a couple for many years. Was Vaughn was U Turn um, from Oliver, half of Oliver. Oliver. And that was before he started that project. Um, and he was already making like just under the U Turn stuff, like all these crazy edits and remixes and originals. Uh, like he had a, like a Mark Ronson remix that was massive, and then probably you know, help set his path to move down to LA. But what I'm speaking of is more like that was, he was sort of like a bar of the level of productions. Like, okay, well, like, even if you're not going to make that, like, how do you get your stuff sounding over here? And so how do you, so it wasn't really about hype. It was like, how can you, um, like, yeah, once you start like releasing, you're like, okay, well, how can I get some blogs at the time that it was all about the blogs and hype machine? How can I get them to uh, help showcase my music? Now I would say it's really tough. Um, I don't know how someone starting producers, and that's like their favorite question to ask me um, or to ask people in general. And I don't think that's the right question to be asking. Um, how do I get hype? Because there's a million people right. out there. I feel like hype Hype needs context. You know, just hype for hype's sake is like, what does it mean? Like, why do you need even need hype? Because if you got a good product in in the first place and you're you're interesting, hype is like only amplifying your message. Yeah, exactly. It's it's exactly. Uh, I think you nailed it on the head. It's sort of it's um it's a vehicle. It can be a vehicle, you know, a tool to help you. But if you don't have, if you're not ready to go, if you're not ready for it, then what's the point? You're gonna get your hype off your maybe one track or one remix or whatever, and then you're gonna be really really struggling. To follow that up and, and then that'll be it so i think the more important question is you know how do you become how do you develop your sound how do you develop as an artist how do you uh not get lost in the fray of now like we're talking about like there's influences everywhere and you can go and splice and get lost and um and and just go through you know everything and not know what what to do with it so i think the key is to kind of almost like look inwards it's sort of like almost buddhist or something or like be selfish and like focus on yourself and like what is it the music that speaks to you um make make a bunch of music when you're starting out and see you know uh one what are you good at because people will be good at certain you know certain things and that can help dictate your style and to what moves Definitely. you um and and also what moves other people so like if you're making you know uh if you make a house ep and then you make like an an indie, you know, EP and like a and a couple of trap songs, but like the indie thing is a is what's resonating. Like maybe you need to pay attention to that or find a way of, uh, maybe you realize that that's like the the direction, but you can start to involve some of your other influences that that you're doing into making that a more unique, cohesive sound. So, yeah, I mean, I I think how to how to get how to gain hype in the era of you know, Vine is already like an ancient memory, even though it was what a couple mm. of years ago, five less than five. Right. Uh, I got TikTok now. And, and TikTok now. And so like what are you just gonna try and predict technology? Like that's I mean, then you're in the wrong business. Then you shouldn't be in music. You should be in, you know, in coding or, or something. Mark like marketing, maybe. Or, yeah, or, or or marketing, or you should become like um, you know, like a hedge fund guy or, you know, just being, become an investor. Like that's cool. Like there's nothing against that. Right. Our art is like a creative, it's a creative process. Endeavor. Right. But I feel like the hype thing for people stems from low self-esteem initially. Like they're so unsure and self unaware in, in, in regards to their skills and their goals in life career wise or like music wise that they start like, jumping on trains and picking those genres that pop right now and like try to do that just to get some attention going so people tell them like that's the right thing like you're gonna like that's cool this is this is cool like right. go on because they're not self-aware and 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 they don't have the self-confidence to just do whatever the fuck they want to do maybe deal with a certain period of uncertainty and ambiguity for like maybe years even until something starts to click and work for them like like it did for you. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think the the self esteem or whatever, it's it's more of like a it's an ignorance of it, it stems from just being like let's say call it like young or naive like in your process. Like if you are, it's like you know I wanted to say that it's like 
like boxing or something, but it's not because in in something like a like a sport like you, there are very specific steps uh, that are prescribed. Like you should eat a certain way, you should train a certain way, probably or within a uh, within a, a range of certain you know certain things. And with music, people are like, well, you know, it's art, so you can do whatever, and so you'll you'll follow, you'll be inclined to follow any trend that's happening. And I think that's not like right. the worst thing to develop your skills. Um, you know, when you're starting out, like learn how to recreate, uh, you know, that Post Malone beat or that snake uh, single or whatever. And that's and that's cool because, you know, once you that's different, that's like adding to your your tool kit. Once you know how to right. get that Build your skill set. Yeah. So so adding to your skill set by being aware of what's happening uh, and seeing, you know, if you can do it or if you can recreate it or whatever. I mean, that's going to, that's going to help you, uh, you know, organically also just like learn more pr- about production and that's great. But I think the mistake is that ev- not everyone, but it seems to be that we want, er- people are looking for shortcuts and going like, how do, how do I become like a big artist now? How do I get, you know, Followers, right. literally, it's, people it's are like, "How do I get disrespect followers?" and ignorance in regards to the process, a little bit. Maybe it's naive day in, in the beginning. Exactly. Yeah. Well. Just, yeah. Ex- exactly. They don't see people that see like the tours and the they see the shows. They don't realize how much the gigs and gigs of garbage, uh, and the hours that you spent like slamming your head on the desk, like making all this trash <laughs> to get there. They don't want to hear it. And that's fine. And maybe maybe you don't need to spend that much time, but you need to spend some time unless you're a genius, uh, you know, just to get good. Because what do you what do you expect? Some people do, you know, probably see, they look at bookings and go like, well, so-and-so gets great bookings. And, you know, there's rumors that they don't make their own stuff. And it's like, well, hey, I mean, that's, the business is a deep you know, a deep well, and there's lots of different kinds of people in this business. But you have to ask yourself, like, do you do you want to be a ghost produced artist, or do you want to like make your stuff? Um, and you know, do you are you doing it? Well, what are the reasons you're getting into this? That's it. What are your motivations and what are your goals? You know that, and and for me, it right. was always like I want to make. First, I just wanted to make decent music. I wanted to make you know something that wasn't trash, something I could play out, something that maybe other DJs I respected would play out. And then I started to hit that. And I was like, wow. You know, I was like, maybe this music, maybe one day I can, you know, share outside of my hometown. You know, like maybe I'll get to go because I'd, I'd always wanted to DJ in the U.S. Um, right. It never occurred to me ever that I would get to tour around Asia. And that was a, a moment that I had to sort of, step back and process because like what do you do when you achieve when you surpass like basically like your top you know you're like when you achieve your your dreams like you know because i've been i've been playing locally for like you know for a long time and so it was like okay well now you know how do i recalibrate and like become a better artist and um become a better uh performer and all those other things and so i think like your goals can change but like the motivations you have to just reevaluate uh, if you're asking the right questions. Yeah, 100%. The thing is, um, like I'm producing four artists still, and that's a huge chunk of my, of my income. And I had the experience where I would produce, like I produce two guys from Russia right now. So we've been producing, we produced six songs over the course of a year. And six songs kind of like more on the indie side, because right now what's trending in Russia is pure like hip hop, like auto tune rap, mumble rap, and like deep house, straight up top twenty, just like that. And we did something different, which sounded awesome. And they released the singles. They spent a little bit of money on promotion and just a little bit. Um, and then they didn't get the effect they 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 wanted in the end. And they're like, all right, now I'm disappointed in the sound we produced. And you know now we now we must spend more money now or like now we're gonna now we now we're gonna not spend any money on someone externally we're gonna produce uh, like top twenty stuff because obviously that's working and we didn't get the success we we wanted with the music that we did and I, I'm telling them yo it's not about the music we produce because that was awesome it's not about 
uh, the taste, and it's not about like the people listening to top twenty because there's there's a niche for for everything because there's like rock music being popular in, in, in Russia as well and like folk music as well. It's about it's about the connection you build with your audience and about how how crafty you are with the promotion. Um, so that was their thinking mistake, but they still like going for for that top 40 top 20 stuff right now because they feel like that's going to give them the result yeah obviously their their goal is making it which is you know living off of music which is awesome everyone wants that but like the approach and the the thinking is a little bit off because they want to jump over the the step of building like a relationship with your fans directly or getting fans initially one by one they want to like get signed by a huge label just just someone else doing the promotional work for them and they're just going to create the music and live the lifestyle which is you know that's not 2000 it's not 2006 anymore yeah i mean it uh <laughs> it sounds like they are like they don't know the backstory of rufus like rufus made like three full lengths before they pop or they don't tell them about phoenix like phoenix was like in their mid 30s like when when listomania that record came out that was like their fifth album like they've been making music for over a decade like they've been a right. band like they've been you know what i mean they were like toiling and that was in france and that was already with some connections like they were buddies with daft punk i mean but that that didn't break them they didn't break because you know what I mean? like for it and things happen faster now and that's all every you know a right. lot of people just see just because you see that overnight success on Instagram and TikTok like people getting blown up overnight just yeah. because some some meme thing or some hype thing and then people want to replicate this and they think this is the norm they think like what's happening to those people like those 1 2 3 4 5 people getting famous overnight that that's the norm that should happen to them as well which is like fucking ridiculous for me you know it it, it it can happen, but it's like the lottery ticket. And it's like, honestly, exactly. it's like winning like, the you lottery. You can't engineer like, it. Are you going to count? One, are you going to count on yourself winning the lottery? And two, some of the people, let's let's call it winning the lottery, are are operating at such a, such a level, like let's talk about James Blake or more recently like her. You know, she is a genius. Everything she does, she worked, she worked on some other stuff before, but she's still, she's still really young. And, you know, to some people that might seem like an overnight success, but it's like, if you are following music at all, do you realize what she does? She does everything. She plays everything. She right. produces, you know, it's like, is that, so you might call that winning a lottery, a lottery ticket, but like, how do your skills match up, you know, with someone <laughs> like that? So then right. I, think, I think it's And about, your work ethic in the first place. Yeah. 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 So it's about being realistic with like, what do you have? you know, that can work for you? Like, what are the skills that you have? You know, are you, are you a great networker? If you're a great networker, you know, awesome. That is like a large, large part of it. So then it's like, you know, then you probably just need to figure out your artistic direction and develop your skills to a point where people are liking your music because you're good on the network side. If you are, you know, rapidly uh, making inroads, you know, as, and in developing your skills as a producer, but you never leave your house, then you have to be like, okay, well, like, what is the missing piece here that I, I should start thinking about? And that's, and that's tough because I think people are, we usually trend one way or the other uh, in terms of like the, you know, the studio nerd or, you know, just classic archetypes. Uh, right. A lot of great producers, you know, are, are very introverted and, uh, and they go, you know, and then the release would, you know, put something up on SoundCloud. And now it's not even really that way. But and go like, well, how come no one's listening? Well, it's all because no one knows who you are. <laughs> and even if it's good, even if it's good now, there's so much good out there because of what we talked about with the, with the splice packs and reposts and, and everything. There's a lot, there's a lot of good um, and decent art out there Stuff now. Out so, there, so, right. so, so now it's like, how do you stand out even more? You have, you're shooting for great or you're shooting for like very different or unique or something fresh. And so that's a following the trend, following, you know, whatever. Right. But that's what I mean. Unique is the thing right now, because if you're following the trends, if you do like the top 20 thing, that's going to be dead in a year right? or two, the, the most. But if you're unique, you're building your own niche. It may be slower, way slower than usual. It may be harder and it is harder, but you're carving your own niche and it's kind of like your, your little bubble 
and then you build a community around that and you monetize it long term however you want it but that's your thing and that's for life and unique is the way to do it in 2019 and 20 you're building it's sort of like the old touring like band touring adage of like you you know you tour and like hit the road and build your audience your fan base you know one show at a time and now it's literally like one one fan at a, one like at a time hope, hopefully yeah one like one listener i mean and it's you get sometimes i think it's difficult because you get a spotify playlist but then people will like subscribe to the playlist but then not follow the artist but that's like well so then how do you develop that connection you know with your fans you know if they message if someone messages you are you know are you going to reply to them are you going to you know are you going to ignore them uh and it's like you know like all all these people that are invested in you you know they for a reason they like the music or they also want to become a producer um not not everyone that messages you is that way some people just want literally just want to know how to get likes and follows but people that message you from right. you know to say like oh i love this track i have this on repeat and it's like cool well that actually really means a lot because there's so much so much music now out there in the world it's like i'm you know how did you even find out about this and like thank you for listening and like um, and that's, you know, it's it's a new sort of time that I think artists uh, are realizing the need to be in direct contact even at more than ever uh, with their audience. And that's like another bigger conversation that we probably don't have time for today about, you know, so yeah, social media and stuff because… Then. You know, but and, and it's a, that is definitely a challenge of balancing. You know, it's because if if you're just if you're just on socials all day and talking to people all day, then you know where where's the time to focus on your craft and music? And and it's a challenge, I think. But um, yeah, I, I think it's uh, and it's it's an exciting time, uh, for artists, especially indie artists, uh, and yeah, like majors are. You know, they're always going to have have the budgets to push again their big, you know, the big whale. Like whoever they whoever they see is like the next person, you know. Or but they're not even doing right. that now. Now they're just picking up indies that blow up, right? Like look at yep, just all the Grammy bunch nominees. of ad spend behind. There you go. Exactly. So yeah, I mean the the advice is just on hype. It's like you know, be um, obviously the cliche of like be yourself, but. It but make sure that comes out like in your music, like it be that be that unique, as unique and interesting like that version of yourself that you can within your music and as and as your as an artist. And I think that's sort of like the basis to move, right? Uh, to to grow upon while while all the whole time trying to add to your skills, which is everyone else. If that makes one hundred percent, and kind of making the shift from seeing the music as your product to more like the music is the marketing for yourself and you're the product, AKA the brand, which might sound a little bit, you know, no, I get it. Capitalistic, but that that's kind of how it is. And like you releasing a sound pack, that's kind of, uh, using your brand to, you know, to magnify it, to earn some money and to profit. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's really fluid and, um, and you're not wrong. And I'm like kind of learning, you know, with every, every day and every like new, you know, like with this uh, splice pack or with the the flip that I did shot at their studio. I'm really curious to see how that uh, affects or changes, you know, like who's listening out there um, while at the same time keeping solidly right. focused on where I want to go with my music. So it's a balance. Sweet. Thank you. Uh, maybe one more question from our Instagram listeners, viewers, and then we might run it off for today. Yeah. Kyle is asking, how do you deal with imposter syndrome? Imposter syndrome. That's a great question, Kyle. Thanks for that. I have been dealing with that or had been dealing with that for a very, very long time. You know what? I think I think you never get get over it actually you never get over it no it's you get yeah. it's coming in waves from it's kind of like a sine wave it's like if you're good you're like <laughs> i'm the fucking man i'm the best and then if something bad's happening you're getting like into the funk and then like fuck i'm like how can i call myself like the funk lore like who the fuck are you and like right. you're getting this down spiral and then you know it's like a balancing act for for the rest of your life yeah i, I think i think the way to co combat imposter syndrome is by always focusing on on getting better now if it's more in like a like why did i get this gig or why did i get this remix opportunity or something then it's like 
yeah, just say because someone believed in you, someone believes in your right. work and what because you're doing. Because you fucking obviously deserved it. Yeah, I mean, also like music is <laughs> the music industry is not about deserve, honestly. And I would try to get, I would try to lose that word, but I I would say earn, like because you earn like you work for what 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 you get, but you're not always right. going to get what you think you deserve. You know, so it's like a two-sided thing. But I guess my point is that even if you're not not there yet, you feel like you're not fucking Calvin Harris proficient, right? Which none of us, most of us are not. Um, it's about saying like, okay, well, how can I just really, really smack this one out of the park? I, I remember, okay, so the first, the I guess I'll link the, um, tell you a, a short story that might answer the question. So the, the first time I dealt with Kitsune at all, was probably in 2014, around there. And by dealing, it wasn't even really dealing with them. So I'd been sending them demos for months, you know, maybe probably probably a year, never heard back anything. I was like, all right. So I heard <laughs> that was what it was. And then um, I think uh, what happened was the magician had played a remix of mine or two remixes of mine. I think like I did a, it was either like a cashmere cat bootleg or it was the gold room remix that I did on the magic on the, on his magic tape, and I was like, "Oh wow, that's really really awesome." That for me, that was the biggest one of the biggest things that happened to me in, in terms of the support for my music at the time. I was like, "Okay, maybe I'm not trash all the time. Maybe I'm like okay. Maybe I'm getting better, right?" It was really in, inspiring. And so what happened was he reached out to me. I didn't really know him other than that, you know, and uh, I was really excited about that. But he reached out and said, "Hey, I'm doing this." mix compilation for kitsune but i'd like to have some exclusive originals on it would you like to write uh something for it and i was like <laughs> yeah are you kidding me he's like but the you know that the catch is i need it in a month and for me to that point everything i'd done had taken so so long i don't remember how many songs had released at that point like very very few but i was still at the several months closer to like a year stage honestly for you know process of things and right. I was like, I have a four weeks to do this. And this is like my shot, like my one shot or whatever. And I thought, like, you know, this will be the last chance I ever get to do anything. And I and I just became obsessive about it because I knew I wasn't like there yet as a producer, but I just wanted to give it the best that I could. And I was just insane. Like I printed out like a dozen logos of like Kitsune logos and just like stuck them all over my house, like beside my bed and like in the bathroom and above uh, the computer. And all over my house to remind me that there was nothing else that I was should be fo- thinking about that month because that that was that was the number one and the only priority. And it was a bit like obsessive, obviously, uh, <laughs> but I, you know, it it kept me like locked in. And I and I focused. And I wrote this track and I sent it off to him, and he was like, you know, this is great. I like this a lot. And in the end, the release didn't even happen because the, I think that the whole mix got shelved. But and and at the time, you know, I had to deal with it in my own way. But it was one of the first moments that. Um, that I was probably tackling that imposter syndrome head on, even though it right. you know, still hung around me for many years after and still does. Like, like we mentioned, like, you know, you put me in a session with some new people and I start to sweat sometimes because uh, yeah. some Save people are really fast at putting together a quick beat that sounds amazing. Um, and I'm, I'm not, that's not my strength. My, I have different, you know, I'm, I'm good at what I'm good at. And um, it's good to, be in that situation where you're sweating, but it doesn't mean like you're, tr- it doesn't mean you're trash, you know, you're trash artist here that you, you know, you, you don't have a hope. So I think you have to kind of face it head on, be like, how can I get better while not being too hard on your, you, you have to be hard on your work and not yourself. You can be hard on yourself if you're being lazy and you're like, well, am I being a piece of shit? Like, yeah, sure. But like, don't be hard on like where you are in in the game in the in, the, in this game in of the like journey music, right right um, right i think life is d- difficult enough for most definitely people that has enough definitely. challenges be hard on the work this track yeah does it does do the drums suck yeah does the mix suck uh yeah yeah it does okay well now how do i how do i approach that um and then you know and just be kind of more more clinical and so uh that's sort of i i don't know if that directly answers um, the imposter syndrome question, but um, honestly, yeah, never. I've talked to some way more successful artists than myself, and yeah, they still and, have it, and they still have it. You just they still have it. it. Yeah, you know, realizing that we all have it, and like your 
quote unquote role models have it and mine and me myself, we all have it. That that's you know, that's already kind of soothing because like if that guy is having a pasta syndrome, like who am I to 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 doubt myself even, you know? Like if if freaking, you know, I talk to Kashmir, he's like, dude, I'm doubting myself all the time. Like he's like, dude, I'm your fan. I could learn so much from you. Like he, like Kashmir can learn something from me. Like what the fuck? You know, and it's like, all right, like he's just a human being in the first place. And then for for me as well, I could say is for, for me, the worst thing is comparing myself to other people. And like me comparing myself to someone quote unquote better, quote unquote, whatever the fuck that means. I'm like, hey, I will never be as good as this guy. But the thing is, you don't need to be as as good as this guy because you need to be unique and the best version of yourself. And to improve yourself uh, by your own standards, like compared to, to the one you were yesterday. And, and that's it. Because comparing yourself to someone else will always put you at a disadvantage. Because what's the criteria of comparing yourself to someone else? It's like you're two different people, different age, different upbringing, different influences, different everything. Like what's the quota for comparing yourself to someone else? Like if I'm, I'm like, I'm a jazz pianist. All right. But I'm comparing myself to fucking Jacob, Jacob Collier. Like how... How is someone going to be as good as this guy? Because he has a God-given talent and, and hard work ethic. There's no way I'm going to put myself into that uh, comparison. But and it's not a one-to-one. Like you're not like it's it's not a bodybuilding competition. It's not like exactly. A marathon there, race. There's no criteria. There's no context for for direct comparison at all. Exactly. I think that's that's the big thing because you're like, well, yeah, he's a great, you know, he's great at you know performance and, and jazz and improvisation, but he probably can't mix. You know, and like he, like the same. You know, I mean, some people are they just get good at everything, and that's that's inspiring. I feel like yeah, it can be. You're right. like, oh my god, that's one in a million though. That's like a couple of them. I think that the key is to find inspiration in those people, and uh, yeah, I, I agree. It's like you know, take borrow the tools from the people around you, and and apply it to your to yourself to yourself as an artist um yourself as a musician like as to develop your sound your sound which becomes your your brand for so many people as uh, a big part of it um yeah the direct comparison is like the the least the less you do of that the better in terms of in terms of success uh right in terms of like the music i think it is great to go, you know, sonically, you know, or like, is the, is this cliche? Is this really, is this boring? Like what makes this stand out? Like what, you know, and, and reference. Yeah. But know. that, that's a thing. Realize you can improve that. Like if your sound design sucks, like there you get a course. If you're mixing sucks, get a course yeah. or like get lessons for someone, yeah. you know, yeah. easy. Right. That, that, that's a direct solution. It might take time, but it's something you can influence 100%. Yeah. I agree. All right. Uh, what's up next for you, my man? What's coming up? So I uh, yeah, so I just dropped the the splice pack, Heartbeats Volume One. That's out, and then the get week- it, people, get it. It's awesome. Thank you. I'm yeah, and and please, if you do use it at all, like send me or tag me, like send me a video or the tracks. I really want to hear what people are making with it, regardless of what. It's just it's really inspiring to me that people would even want to hear a sample pack from me. So. Honestly, like it's like you said, the imposter syndrome. So I'm just really excited that um, <laughs> to help anyone in the process. Amen. Uh, and then I dropped. It's very, very dope. Thank you, thank you. Um, yeah. Then so I'm also I just dropped this new single called Somebody on Kitsune. Uh, it's sort of like a jazzy, like housey, funky sort of. Uh, and that's dope as well. I'll be jamming that in the gym. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, so that's kicking off a new cycle. Uh, I will finishing up my next. EP, uh, which somebody is, you know, the first single in that process. I have all the songs, some of which uh, I wrote in in Berlin at Tempelhof, which is really cool. And oh, um, yeah. and yeah, I'm just excited about this new uh, the new record and uh, to continue telling the story and growing and you know pushing, um, yeah, pushing the sound, pushing my own, pushing myself, and seeing where we can go with this. So. Awesome, yeah, man. Look out! Look out for that. I'm in the very, spring. very, very, very excited for you. I'm looking forward to anything you release. Big fan of your stuff. Big fan of your sound. And I wish you all the best with your music. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on today. It was a lot of fun. Been a pleasure, my man. Tell people where they can find you online. What's your preferred outlet? Yeah, besides can... Spotify and Padlock, of course. Spotify, Padlock, SoundCloud is just Padlock, P-A-T-L-O-K, and then it's Padlock Music, P-A-T-L-O-K Music on Instagram. So uh, hit me up on yeah. there. 
Um, You'll find all the links in the description as well. So you might just hit that. Sounds good. Thanks again, man. All right, man. It's been a slice. Been a pleasure. Thanks a lot. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks a lot for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I hit it, recording it and putting it together for you guys. Please follow Petlock on Instagram. It's at Petlock Music. I also put the links into the description each and every time, so feel free to check it out. Also feel free to give this podcast five stars on Apple Music and on Spotify to put it into your playlist because I'll be releasing more podcasts as we go on with great great guests and you'll be not disappointed i promise that also if you want me to mix for you or produce a nice sexy tune for you feel free to reach out it's edward-court.com or just at edwardcourt on instagram and i'll see what i can do and yes that's been it for this podcast thanks a lot for sticking around i'll see you next week with the next episode and until then be kind and make some damn good music.